0: Welcome to Canine Nation. It's Sunday, April 28th, 2019. This is Episode 134. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. This is Eric Brad. You know, one of the great joys for me of being a dog owner is bringing home that fluffy little bundle of joy that we call a puppy. At eight or nine weeks of age, they seem to be full of such potential, and there's so many adventures that lie ahead. And, if I'm honest, there's nothing I enjoy more then starting to fill that little puppy brain and watching them discover the many wonderful things in the world around them for the very first time. It's fascinating and fun to watch a puppy grow and develop. And then, one day, everything seems to get just a little crazy. I guess it's the same with parents and children. That time when their little ones begin to grow up and turn into teenagers. Dealing with teenagers can be frustrating, mostly because they can be so unpredictable. And the same is true with our puppies. Once they reach adolescence, there are some changes that will need to take place. Not just physiological changes, but changes in their brain and our dog's attitude about life and the world around them. We've raised a lot of dogs over the years, and each one brings its own unique challenges, so I thought it might be interesting to pass on some advice from our journey through the adolescence of our own dogs. And I wrote it all down in an essay that I call Adventures in Puppyhood, The Adolescent Brat Period. There really is nothing quite like the blank stare of an adolescent Belgian Shepherd puppy. It was time for me to leave the house, and I had to put our young dog Rizzo in his crate for a couple of hours while I ran some errands. And so, cookie in hand, as always, I beckoned him from across the room. And Rizzo, in that adorable way that teenager Belgians do, just blinked his big brown eyes at me as if he had never heard a human speak before. It's hard not to laugh at times like that. But I was actually in a hurry that day. Fortunately for me, but unfortunately for Rizzo, this wasn't my first time to this particular rodeo. This was the classic adolescent, let's see what dad does behavior. So I did what any good Belgian shepherd puppy owner would do, the unexpected. I broke off a piece of the cookie, wandered over to him, and gave it to him for free. That baked his little noodle. He happily crunched and swallowed, and then I showed him the rest of the cookie and said, in your home, and he trotted right into his crate where he happily ate the rest of the cookie while I grabbed my keys to go. Things often change in the behavior of a young dog as they reach adolescence, sometimes radically. This happens somewhere between 9 and 18 months of age. Rizzo was no exception. At 11 months old, he was just starting to try on his big boy pants to see what he could get away with. This abrupt change in his behavior when interacting with us and even with other dogs, might have been something to worry about if we were not prepared by some education and lots of experience. Instead of fussing and fretting over this behavior change, we just buckled in for the ride through this next phase of Rizzo's development. Puppies of a certain age like to test things. Adolescent puppies like to test everything. Behaviors you have spent months training and getting great results with suddenly stop working. Well-known cues that used to be your go-to tricks for showing off start failing. And even the simplest requests, like sit, are often met with a blank stare. Fortunately for me, Rizzo was my wife's dog to train. You see, we switch off as the primary trainer with each new dog. Although we do share training duties in the house, It was her job to teach new behaviors. I would just work with what she had already trained. For example, my wife had taught Rizzo to sit, and then to wait for a release cue from that sit before we let him go outside or before coming back inside. When Rizzo hit his adolescence, it was fun to watch. If I would say sit, my older dog Tira would immediately put her butt on the floor while Rizzo would just look at me as if I'd just spoken Mandarin Chinese. So, we would wait. I would wait for Rizzo to sit, and Rizzo would wait to see what I might do next if he doesn't sit. It's a test. What I do in response to that test is important. After months of training Rizzo, it was now his chance to take what he had learned and try to train me. Believe me, it can be hard not to take that personally. So, why would my dog need to test me? What possible reason could he have for not doing what I have trained him to do, especially if we had rewarded him frequently for it in the past? Well, this is where our own humanness can get us into trouble. It's not necessarily about us. There's a lot going on for an adolescent dog. Leaving the hormones aside for the moment, although they are an important component of this, the world is becoming a much bigger place for a young dog approaching adulthood. Not only have their senses fully developed to take in that larger world, but their experiences and training have likely given them the confidence to get out and explore. New sights, new sounds, new smells, and new encounters can be very distracting to a dog And it may seem that they are often preoccupied with things that you can't understand. And they probably are. And then there's the sheer joy of using that newly developed dog body. With the awkwardness of their puppy frame becoming a thing of the past, most young dogs are eager to get out and see what they can do. Is it any wonder that an 11-month-old dog is straining at the leash? They are feeling a new confidence in fully developed limbs and balance. They want to run like the wind simply because they can. There's also a mental component here, too. Just like human teenagers, young dogs can get curious about how they can affect their environment. For months, we've been showing them the ropes and training them in all kinds of behaviors. But now, what happens if the dog does this instead of that? Your dog's responses to you can become very puzzling during this period. It's their turn to change the variables and see what happens. The important thing to keep in mind is that it's not personal. It can seem sometimes like my dog is just trying to get me angry, just being contrary. It can be very tempting to ascribe human emotions like defiance or stubbornness or even sulking to my dog. But that can be a trap that leads to no good end. Instead, take the advice of animal trainer Karen Pryor who said, It's not personal, it's just behavior. One complicating factor in all of this adolescent haze is that most dogs go through a fear period around this time. It's tied to all of those hormones I mentioned earlier. It's a natural part of maturing sexually. The difficulty with these fear periods is that the sudden change in behavior can cause us to react with concern, and if we don't know what to expect, it can cause some unfortunate behavioral side effects in the dog that we might not want. An example of this is often called coddling by some trainers and refers to our human attempts to soothe a young dog when they suddenly seem terrified for no apparent reason. By this stage in their development, especially if you have done a lot of mark-and-reward training or other operant training with your dog, they are aware of cause and effect. How you react to their actions will have an impact on whether or not certain behaviors will or will not be repeated. An uncertain dog will take comfort from your attention and guidance. If that dog discovers that cowering or jumping as if startled draws your full and focused attention from you as you bend down to say, Rizzo, what is it, honey? Is something scary? Well, that can be a wonderful reward for a dog. Rizzo might just put that behavior on his list of things to try again when he wants attention. It's important for the handler to assess the situation and be aware of the environment when their adolescent dog is demonstrating these fearful behaviors. It's important to see if there's any real and legitimate reason for the dog to be showing fear. If there is, it's best to simply handle the situation calmly by removing whatever it is that is upsetting your dog. If there doesn't appear to be anything that should be upsetting the dog, chances are they are either just being jumpy or feeling insecure and want to get your attention. In this case, it's best to just give the dog some confident reassurance without making a big production out of things. You're okay, buddy, and a pat on the head should be sufficient. What you're trying to do is let the dog know that there's nothing to worry about and you know it. Navigating successfully through Rizzo's adolescence was a lot like flying an airplane. We just had to stay vigilant, watch what was going on, and most importantly, We didn't make any big sudden changes in how we interacted with him. While Rizzo seemed to inexplicably stare off into the distance when I asked him to sit, I had to resist the temptation to repeat my request. If I did, I would run the risk of letting him know that he only has to sit after the fourth time I say it. Similarly, if he ran barking to the door, it wouldn't do me much good to start yelling at him. Chances are Rizzo would think I was yelling with him, not at him, doing the human equivalent of barking. The same is true if we were on a walk and he suddenly wanted to jump up into my arms in fear at the approach of an oncoming Chihuahua. There's really no reason for him to show a fearful reaction in this case, so my best response would be to act like nothing's wrong and to continue with only some quiet reassurance. More than we like to admit, our dogs take many of their emotional cues from us. We are the ones they spend most of their time with, so it only makes sense that they would look to us to see what is worth being upset over and what isn't. We do our best to keep that in mind, especially when our young dog's behavior confuses us. Those first reflexive reactions are not necessarily the best, so we always try to be prepared and to think things through before we act. More than anything, what has worked for us in raising our dogs has been staying the course. We know what we've trained, and we know our dogs well enough to recognize any legitimate health issues if they should arise. By the same token, we're careful to manage their lives until they are adults and capable of dealing with things on their own. So we don't do things like leave our young dogs out in the backyard unattended for hours on end or let them off-leash at strange parks where they could get into trouble without us nearby. As Rizzo tried on his big boy pants to see what Mom and Dad might do, we were ready to do our best to keep things on an even keel. We had tricks of our own to interrupt his little experiments in behavior. We didn't take his little tests personally. Our reactions to them were more often amused than they were angry. The thing we always keep in mind is that the laws of behavior, operant and classical conditioning, are working each and every day whether we acknowledge them or not. It's better to stay aware of them and use them to our advantage if we can. Getting angry and demanding what we expect would likely only produce unintended behavioral fallout and bad associations. Instead, we would just shake things up a little bit and try again. Rizzo has grown into a wonderful dog. We managed to get through all of his adolescent shenanigans with only a few episodes of frustration. But I won't lie to you. It took vigilance and willpower. The adolescent phase takes anywhere from 8 to 14 months to pass. The important thing during that time is to manage things and not take it all too personally. I'm happy to report that everyone survived Rizzo's adolescence and are now living, mostly, happily ever after. If you enjoy these podcasts, why not drop by our website at caninenation.ca and you'll find dozens more to listen to. While you're at it, perhaps click on the donate button and offer us a dollar or five or whatever you'd like to give to help support the podcast and help us keep the lights on. Or you can support the podcast by spreading the word on social media or leaving us a review on iTunes. I'd love to hear feedback from you about the podcast. If you have any comments, stories, or questions, you can email me at talk2 at caninenation.ca. That's talk and the number 2 at caninenation.ca. I look forward to your comments. Canine Nation is also on Facebook. You can find our Canine Nation page where we post information about the latest articles, podcasts, and news about Canine Nation events. We also have a discussion group, the Canine Nation Forum. It's a place to discuss the podcast, the Canine Nation essays, life with dogs, and training our dogs, or just to share some information we found around the Internet. Thank you for listening. I'd appreciate it if you'd share this with the dog people in your life. I guess that's all for now. Until next time, have fun with your dogs.